Welcome to the Pathways to Profitability podcast, personal tales of business success, where we hear local business owners' personal stories of their trials and tribulations that got them to where they are today. Here's your host, Cheryl Mucha, CEO of CFO Your Way. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I am so excited to have Dr. Ruchi Kaul with us today of My3 well Wellness. Thank you so much for being here with us, Ruchi. Hi, thanks for having me. So we're gonna just start like dig right in. Tell us a little bit about your business, how you started your business, what you, what was the inspiration to get to you to where you are today? So many things, right? Um... I am a doctor. I'm a family practice doctor. Um, so I went to medical school, did my residency in family medicine. And then like any other good family medicine doctor, I did all the things. So in family medicine, we say that we see patients from cradle to grave. So uh, my favorite thing in residency was delivering babies. So seeing pregnant ladies from the time that they were pregnant all the way through their delivery, delivering the baby, taking care of the baby. And along the way, the dad would sort of join and be like, I know you. Um, and being able to do all of it, right? When they get admitted to the hospital, when they're in labor, when their grandmother is in the hospital with a diabetic problems or whatever, all that stuff. So my first job out of residency I did what I really thought I wanted to do. Um, and I worked for another residency program. So I trained doctors. Um, and that means that you have to train them to do all the things that you know how to do. So taking care of people in the hospital, taking care of people in the clinic, doing women's health, delivering babies, all the things. Um, and that meant that I was at work all the time and I loved what I did. I totally loved it and I was busy. I was home very little. I was not available or present in life unless I was physically at home. And even then I was pretty tired. And a lot of times I was doing notes late at night like all the doctors do and we know. Um, and so it was good. It was fine. It was a lot of work. It was stressful, um, but I loved it and I, told myself I was doing what I loved, which I was, and, and honoring all the things about what I wanted to do. I I had my first pregnancy at that job. I worked, I, I worked hard. I worked really hard. I used to make the residents go up the stairs and they were like, Dr. Call. And I was like, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> um, so, after I had the baby, they were like, well, you have to have the same call schedule as you've always had. And I was like, wait a minute, when I'm on call, I sleep at the hospital because I live an hour away. Everybody else lives, 15, I actually lived an hour and 15 minutes away from the hospital. I was like, everybody else lives 15 minutes away. So if I take call from the hospital, that means I'm not home all night. That means I can't breastfeed my child. And they were like, that's not our problem. And I was like, okay then. Um, I thought we were family medicine. I thought we cared about families and bonding and all that stuff. And, and it wasn't. Um, so I returned to another residency program. We had other problems. Then I worked as a hospitalist, meaning just seeing patients when they get admitted to the hospital, being busy all day. Again, not available to really do anything outside of the hospital unless I was physically not there. Um, and all of this really reminded me of, so my parents are both doctors reminded me of my childhood growing up 
And my parents were busy all the time, right? And they were immigrants that came to this country and didn't have a lot of support. And so we were in daycare and we were in childcare and we were in school and we were in before care programs and after care programs because, you know, school is like whatever, right. five to three. Who has a job that's like eight forty five to three? The answer to that question is actually me right now. But um, <laughs> but in in what we call real life, right? Who has that job? So so we were in all the programs and I was like, this is not what I want. Right. Like, I love what I do and I love taking care of patients. But the way that this is set up. It's either the patients or me, which is kind of shitty because then you start resenting, you start resenting your patients, you start resenting the people you work with, you you know, all that stuff. And, and that's not why I went to med school. I went to med school because I love what I did. I love medicine. I feel I feel like it's a calling. So I worked as a hospitalist while my father-in-law was home and, and sort of going through his dying process in our house. Um, and when he passed away, I was like, I just need a break, took some time for myself. Um, and then I ended up starting this practice. Interestingly enough, though, it was like, I wanted to start a practice on my own. I wanted to make my own schedule. I wanted to do things my own way. But as you know, when you get started, you think that your journey is going to be whatever. Like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to start my practice and everything's going to be fine. But you don't know what you don't know and all the things that you have to learn along the way to become that business owner that you want to be. You have to figure all that out. So I decided I was going to, even though I had my practice, it wasn't really viable enough. It wasn't really, um, I wasn't, I didn't have enough patience and I was very worried I was going to have to hustle the way that I have always hustled at every job um, to become successful or to become viable. And, you know, that had to be immediately. So clearly that wasn't going to work. So I had to work for somebody else. So I started working for an urgent care and I worked full time, but I decided that it was going to be totally doable because it was a 12 hour shift on Tuesday, a 12 hour shift on Thursday and a nine hour shift on Sunday, which whatever you never done at the time that they say you're done. So you stay hour, stay out, whatever. But my, since I had already opened my practice, one of my promises, which is still current to my patients, is that if you need to see me, I will guarantee that you have a same day or a next day visit. So if I'm working right. time, then I can't do that. So I figured if I was working every other day, then, you know, and, and I told them I can't work two consecutive days, which was good because I was exhausted and had babies at home, and whatever. But, you know, my second delivery was amazing and awesome because I wasn't really sick and I bounced back and I was like, Hey, this is what it's supposed to be like. Um, and I worked and I built their business from, you know, the day that they opened their doors till about a year and a half in. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can build someone else's business. I can build my own. Um, and I had just sort of, my practice was there and I had been getting patients here and then not, and sort of been playing with prices, I've been playing with hours, been playing with what kind of discounts I wanted to offer to people who are unable to afford care, um, all sorts of things. And I learned so much at that time at the, um, when I was working that full-time job at the urgent care. I learned tons of things, not just about medicine, because as you practice, as you know, you're always learning new things and that's super fun. Um, but about myself, about marketing, about patient populations, about accounting 
accounting. I don't have to learn about accounting. I love that I don't have to learn about accounting. My husband does, as you know, all my books. Um, and this is me when it comes to my books. Um, but he's like, I'll do them. It'll be fun. I know. When you first met him. You have one of those in the house, right? Yeah, I don't know if you remember when you first met him and started talking about him about all that stuff. You were like, are you an accountant? And he was like, no, I'm an engineer. Um, and just so you know, he also did my light setup today. He always does my light setup when I um, or am I when I'm, you know, on camera or whatever, because he he does that, too. Um, and if you if you want him to mix some music, he'll do that, too. He's pretty he's pretty awesome. But yeah, so I don't have to I don't have to do any accounting. <laughs> and, you know, for a while it was just I want to take care of patients. I want to see patients. I want, you know, but. I went through all these iterations of like, do I really want to be prescribing Percocet to people? And I was like, it'll be fine. And it's not always fine. People start to abuse and you have to figure out your own boundaries, right? You have to do that in your relationships. You have to do that at home. You have to do it with your kids. You have to do it in your job too. Right. So I figured out a lot of those things. And then in March of 2019, I just was like, all right, like if I can build their business, I can build mine. I can figure it out. It's totally doable. And I, decided to be all all in um, to my practice. And I'm glad that I took all that time to figure out those bumps along the way. Because what I learned, so I my practice is uh, based on a model called DPC, direct primary care. So I don't take insurance. And you know, as soon as I say that, people are like, oh God. And in the beginning I was like, oh no, no one's gonna be my patient because this is the story. Um, and I really had to, believe that what I was offering was what people wanted. And it that took me a while. It really did. And along the way, I think as a business owner, you are like, I know people, you tell people about it. They're like, the concept is great, all this stuff. But once you actually have to go and say, hey, I'm offering this to you. Um, like I'm an accountant, but I don't do taxes. Like why would people do that? Right? Like I'm <laughs> a doctor, but I don't take insurance. Like why would I do that? Right? So you have to believe in yourself enough that what you have is that valuable that people will. Um, and I don't, I'm not really like a, a pusher of, it, of anything really. Um, but in terms of, you know, my practice, people, what they do is, so they pay a monthly fee. I don't have my, my phone right here, but I usually wave my phone and people um, pay a monthly fee and they get my phone number. And so they text me and they call me um, and I encourage people to text and call whenever it is they want. Um, and in the beginning, I would be like, I'm going to pick up all the time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, which doesn't really work, right? If you have like a bunch of patients and somebody's calling you while you're with another patient, then which patient are you picking? Um, that doesn't work. But, but you know, what I tell my patients is text me anytime, all the time, 24-7. You text me anytime, I'll I'll you know, I'll be able to see what's going on. I'll be able to answer your question. I'll respond to you back in business hours. That's my, right. my boundary that I figured out actually worked and people wouldn't be mad. Um, but I love it because when you go and see the doctor, what happens is you use your own clinical judgment, right? Your, your, your medical knowledge, which you may or may not have to decide whether you're going to go see the doctor or not. And so your clinical judgment may not be so accurate. And so by the time you need, you decide that you need to be seen, I'm like, you probably should have been seen two weeks ago or two months ago or whatever. Right. So I will 
then get to your problem much later along the line, which then is you're feeling worse, you're taking more time of work, off of work, you're, ha- you're struggling a lot more and getting you back up to baseline, whether if it's possible, is much harder. So what I tell my patients is to to text whenever, like if you have a question about like what prenatal vitamin should I use, go to the grocery store, snap a picture, send it to me, which one, this one or that one, I will tell you, right? Like the point is to have access to somebody who has medical knowledge so that you can use it, right? What is the point of medical knowledge if you can't use it? And your insurance pays for 15 minutes of an in-person visit at a time. And that's 15 minutes is the whole visit, which means- getting your vitals and getting whatever shots you need and talking to the doctor. So if you could cram all that in there, right. And, and how long do you wait in the waiting room to go see that doctor for those minutes? So what do you do? It's great to be, you know, have the access, be in the grocery store and get that answer instead of hesitating, not knowing, getting home, having the wrong one, having to go back. Yeah. It's it's so important. Yeah. So for me though, on the other end, right? Like if you're only going to come for 15 minutes and you're like, I got to wait an hour in the waiting room and I have, it takes me, it's, I'm going to call for an appointment. It's going to take me two or three weeks to get in. Then by the time I see you, you have a list, right? A nice long list of things you want to talk about that I then have to cram through in these 15 minutes. And when we were in residency, they used to teach us that if somebody came in with a list Tell them to pick two. The tell two them most to, important, right? Tell them to pick two and then send them home. Make Tell them to make another appointment. And I was like, why would they do that? Why would right. they wait in the waiting room all this time and then go leave with a bunch of their questions unanswered? Like, unanswered. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, at, in residency, you get paid what you can't pay. It's your salary. So it doesn't really right. matter how much time you spend in there. Right. But when you have your own practice, if you do that with every single patient, you can't see as many patients or you're running late every single day. And so it affects your revenue. It affects how much you get paid because you only get paid for one or two questions. And that's why. And if it was it's interesting to me, because if they had framed it that way, like you only actually get paid for one or two questions. So whatever you give over after that is all, you know, you're you're donating your time, our time, whatever, all the things. Um So, but that puts everybody in this sort of like struggle with each other. And so direct primary care really references that the relationship is between the patient and the doctor and nobody else. Insurance is not telling you this is how much time you have. They're not telling you this is the medication you can use. They're not, which we still have that problem in New Jersey, but that's um, another issue. But, you know, they're not telling you, you can't do this for your patient. You can't spend this time with your patient. You can't do all these things. So I do basically my patients, when they come in, they see me for either 30 to 60 minutes at a time, depending on who it is, what they need, what, what we're doing at that time. Um, and I know my patients, I know them really well. So I know who's going to take 30 minutes, who's going to take 60 minutes for what problem. I know when somebody's having a bad day, I'm like, all right, she's going to go at the end of the day because she might need two hours and that's okay. Right. right, right. And I off that time. I also, I, what I do is I block off 15 minutes before an appointment and 15 minutes after appointment as well, which means that, you know, you have that flexibility. Yes. Even if you're running over, you're not like, sorry, guy, you have to go out the door, right? You have that. And your next patient isn't waiting for you in the waiting room. Yes. That literally almost never happened. So it happened yesterday that my next patient was waiting for me in the waiting room. Um, 
because they were 15 minutes early, um, which is fine. And they were 15 minutes early for me, which was lovely. My, uh, I told you my grandmother passed away on Wednesday and, and they said, oh, we'll see you just sometime in the next few days. And I was like, no, I really can't. I'm sorry. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So if you need to see me, I'll see you today at five o'clock. So they said, we want to be here on time. So she needs, she, when she has to go, she can go. It was very cute. They brought me flowers for my mom. Aww, um, yeah. And it's, I love it because I get to really spend time, get to know people. Like when I have my first appointment with people, it's 90 minutes. And I'm always like, tell me about yourself. And they're like, like my medical problems. And I'm like, no, like about you. Like who yeah, are and you? And that's, that's the other side of it. You know them, but they know you as well. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. So I got to my mom's house last night and I was like, here's some flowers from my patient. And then she was like, what? And I was like, well, um, yeah. So, I mean, I love it. And that's, I mean, that's the business side of it, right? That's the the, like, I love to do what I do. I get to do what I do. It's the most amazing thing. But the other flip side of it is that as a kid growing up, my parents were never home. They didn't make it to soccer games or lacrosse games, or they always made it to chorus concerts because they were like eight o'clock at night. Right. But, but it was hard. How do you do that? My mom, I mean, school was over at four 30. My mom always picked me up I was trying to explain to my daughter who's seven, right? I was trying to explain to her that my mom would pick me up sometime between six and seven after school, but we didn't have cell phones. So right. you just waited. And if you were not there, then she didn't know where you were when she got there. And then everyone got home late and dinner was even later and whatever. So you just kind of sat there and you waited. So I would do my homework as I waited for my mom. And I knew that that's not what I wanted for my kids or for me. Um, right. Because it's not just for them, right? Like she's seven, she doesn't care. I mean, maybe she does care who picks her up or whatever, and maybe she does notice. But as soon as I pick her up, it's like that two seconds of like, mommy, and then can I go to the playground? Can I go here? Can I go there? Right? Which has been different this year with COVID and, and remote right. school. But but knowing that you're, for me, the fact that I know that I can pick up my daughter from school every single day if I want. And you know, spend that time, watch her playing on the playground say, look at me, I can do this thing. That is something that I wanted to be able to do for me. Right. And her and your son and yeah. your husband also. It's that work-life balance. And, you know, growing up, you didn't have that. Your parents didn't have that. Yeah. And you didn't have that when you started in medical field. Mm -hmm. And you recognize that in becoming your own boss was the solution. And, and sometimes it's still a struggle, but it's, it's more under control than it was. Totally. So that, yeah. So that was one of your reasons or, you know, to, to become your own, you know, start your own company, become your own boss. Was, was there anything else in there that um, was kind of like an in, impetus to be an entrepreneur? Honestly, I don't think I thought of the entrepreneur part. It really was myself, but also so many of my friends in medicine are so burnt out. They're so burnt out with all the work that is done, right? And so you, so if you see patients, you see patients typically like you'll have a clinic from like 8.30 to 12 or something like that. And then you have lunch from 12 to 1, which is a lie. And then from 1 to 5, you have more patients, right? And those are the patients that you're seeing in person, Right. And mm -hmm. so before, if you get there at eight 30 and you're like ready to go, you're already behind because all the patients who have sent you emails 
are waiting in your little inbox and all the labs that you've drawn in the last few days are waiting in your inbox to get signed off. All the like referrals from blah, 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 insurance companies, all the insurance companies saying, we won't cover this medication until you fill out 10 pages of this form. Like that's all sitting there waiting for you. Plus there are 15 minute appointments, right? And so you're like trying to cram it all in. And if you're running over, this is when I say lunch is a lie, right? Well, if you're running over, you're, you know, five or 10 minutes late after your first appointment and then 15 or 20 after your second. And as that catches up, there is no lunch break. You work right through your lunch break and then you finish your last patient at like 1247 and you're like, let me shovel something in my mouth. And at one o'clock you have your next patient, et cetera. And then, and then that is if you are so good that you are typing as you go, which as a patient, you know, that blows. Right. (laughs) When your doctor is not looking at you and they're looking at the computer because they're typing, right? As a doctor, you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done because otherwise, and and I didn't like to, I never did that. I I wasn't like, I'm going to type while I'm talking to you. Um, And so that meant that when I was done with patients, which was supposed to be at five, but usually around like 5.30, 5.45, then I had an hour or two of charts to do. So I could leave and go home and do all the d- dinner stuff and family stuff and hanging out stuff and bedtime stuff and then do my hour and a half or two hours of notes. Or I could stay and miss all those things and then get home and either way kind of feel frustrated and angry and, and resentful. So none of those were good options. And, you know, when you I always explain this to patients, when you take insurance, that means you're w- working for the insurance company. You're not right. working. For the patient, which means that you spend about 60% of your time doing paperwork and 40% of your time seeing patients. And the reason you went to medical school is to spend 100% of your time doing seeing patients. Right. So, you know, that was a big impetus for me. And then having control over my schedule was a big impetus for me and being able to be present. Because when you have a day like that, where you dropped your kid off to before care or whatever. For me, it was my mom um, would have my daughter one day a week. My husband would take her one day because it was his day off. And then I had a nanny for another day. But basically since I, from the time that I had my first child until I was uh, had my, until I was, you know, my second child was three months old. I never worked full time. I always worked part time, which I never thought was going to be a thing. I just was assumed I was going to work full time all the time. And then I had this kid and I was like, wait, I, I want to spend time with this thing that just came out of me. Um, even if she screams all the time in the beginning, she was such a screamer. And I was like, Oh God, what did I do? Um, but it's been, I mean, I've loved every minute of it, minute of it. And you know, part of it is that the work that I get to do is the work that I want to do. Like, just like you, where you're like, I'm an accountant, but I don't do taxes. Taxes, right. I can be like, before when I work for somebody else, they were like, you have to do, these are the things that you right. can do or you can't do, right? My One of my first job interviews was with a friend of my mom's who was like, I'll give you a job, like I'll totally give you a job. And then we, you know, we do the job interview and I was like, well, I'm family medicine. He was an internal medicine doctor and, and I think pulmonologist. And so he was like, I was like, I wanna do peds. I wanna do women's health. I wanna do, you know, all these things. And he was like, nope, you wouldn't do pediatrics. You wouldn't even do pap smears. You wouldn't, you know, talk to women about birth control like that. We would send to OB because we get paid more for the same conversation if it's an OB versus you. Um, all this stuff. And I just was like, no, like, I love you and you're a wonderful person. And thank you so much for offering me this job. But like, it's not what I want. Right. Like, I, 
I get to do the things that I want. They right. in medicine, so important. Yeah. And, and I was going to say in medicine, but really in any job, like your employer yes. dictates what it is you get to do and what you don't want to do. And when you make your own practice, right? Like my staff, when people call, they'll say like, does she do control? Like then people will ask, does she prescribe controlled substances? They know the answer to that is no, nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because if someone's asking that before they're even joining, right. Right. And like joining for the wrong reasons. Right. Well, and it depends. Like I'm not a pain management clinic and I, and I have trained and I've done acupuncture and, and, and I definitely love to use that instead of, of, of any sort of narcotic for pain management. But, you know, my practice is very holistic, I would say. Um, and so I obviously I do Western medicine and I'm really good at Western medicine. I'm really good at evidence-based medicine, meaning what do the studies show? The studies show this works, this doesn't work. And I, and I know my stuff and, and I, I love that. Right. It's fun to learn about it. And um, my dad will always be like, did you see this paper? And I'll be like, no, send it to me. Right. And it's super fun. So, but also, you know, my grandmother who just passed away, what did a lot of like, she, I think growing up in India, there's a lot more um, openness. So what I used to describe to people was that like in, in our country, the American Medical Association, I think in like the 30s or 40s, what they did was they said for Western doctors, if anybody, any Western doctor talks to any al alternative, and that's where the terms, term even started to come from, or any like non-allopathic doctor, we're going to kick you out of the American Medical Association. Um, needless to say, I have never been and never will be a part of the American Medical Association, but there's so many associations now anyway. But, and actually very quickly, they kicked out a man who was married to a woman who was a homeopathic doctor. And it, like sort of as an example. And so that's really shaped the way that medicine has gone in this country. And nobody's really open to, nobody has been, and when I say nobody, I mean nobody in medicine is open to different things. So the fact that people, like a lot of doctors are like acupuncture, like that's crap. And like, why don't you try it? Like, why don't you, uh, homeopathy. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff that we know works now, right? Like aromatherapy, massage, you know, meditation. Like now it's kind of become a thing where actual doctors are like, let me do some research and see. And then they're like, actually, this really works. Right. But when, when I was in medical school, that was really just starting out. And that was for me, one, like I had a few things that were really important to me. One was I was super in interested in alternative medicine. And I knew that if I became say a naturopathic doctor or an Ayurvedic doctor or something, people would say, well, you don't know what you're talking about because you're not a real doctor. Right. And I thought, well, if I become a real doctor and then i still can say this is good this is good this works i can offer this it's harder to refute that and and it's funny that i had that thought going into medical school because i know so many people who also had that thought going into medical school so that was a wave of us and we have definitely made connections and groups and networks amongst us so there's a lot more doctors out there talking about like you know if you have if you have high cholesterol, yes, you could take cholesterol medication, which makes you feel like shit. Or you can change your diet. You can change your lifestyle. You can change all these things. And then you won't, the side effects are, are very different, right? right? Losing weight for blood, for high blood pressure, you know, versus, you know, people will say like, is there any supplement that will help me lower my blood pressure? Um, and the, the evidence-based answer to that is no, there isn't. There's two things that make 
your blood pressure go down. One is medication and one is weight loss. But, you know, I have heard from some African-American patients that having this concoction of like a bunch of water, boiled water and garlic cloves just in there, you boil the water and then you drink the water and, and eat the garlic. And, and, you know, when I say that I have heard of it, I heard it two or three times. And finally I had a patient who was like, Dr. Call, can I just try this? Like before you put on me on medication, can I just try this? And I was like, sure, it might not work. And she was like, that's totally fine, but it might work. And I said, true. And so she started doing it. She started having garlic every morning in this liquid concoction. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. And she showed up and her blood pressure was 20 pounds, li like lower, not lighter, lower. Um, and I was like, huh. And I was like, but here's the thing, like you have to do this every day, like medicine, right? And that's something that I talk about a lot is food as medicine. You have to do this every single day. And we all, we all know, right? Garlic is part of the anti-inflammatory diet. It is really good at lowering inflammation and all that stuff. But I think for me, there's a part of being open to, to what else is out there and what else is possible instead of just being like, this is the only way. Right. So would you say that 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 is the one of the main reasons that your business has been so successful? Um, my business has been as successful as I want it to be, which is definitely interesting. Um, I like I said, in the beginning, I would just take whoever. And then after a while, I started being like, I don't want to just take whoever I want to take the patients who um, are willing to do the work. If I'm going to sit there and do the work and figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and help you figure out how to do that discernment, then I need you to do the work too. Because if you just come in and say like, I don't feel good, I need a pill. And then two weeks later you say, I, I don't feel good, I need a different pill. Well, have you been taking that pill? No, I took it for two days and it didn't really make me feel good. So I stopped taking it because I have had patients like this, right? Like that's just not my kind of person. And so could I have 10 times as many patients as I have right now? Absolutely. Do I want to? No, because I want the ones that I know that are going to put in just as much effort as I am when they say that they're going to to kind of figure out what works for their body. Right. right. And then my other, you know, thing in terms of time and number of patients is my kids. Right. Like I don't want right now. I don't want so many patients that I don't have time for my kids. So um, but. Yes, I would say that when I started my practice, I had no idea how many people were out there who really were looking for somebody that was a lot more holistic. And I would be a little bit nervous in the beginning to talk about it. I would be like, I, I mean, I would, I went, I would go to the chamber every week, sometimes two or three times a week. And I think I had been there for more than two years when somebody was like, wait a minute, you do acupuncture. And I was like, do I never talk about that? Do I not? Like, have I not said that? And she was like, no, you've never said that. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And as I started opening up more and more about a lot of the holistic things that I do, people were like, oh my God, I never knew there was somebody like you. I never knew there was somebody who could help me with this, but also with this and tell me like, right? Like I'll, people will say like, oh, I'm taking these supplements and whatever. And I'll be like, well, this supplement will make your blood pressure high. This supplement will dehydrate you. Like, right. And, and people are like, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, I've done so much learning in so many other things other than just Western medicine. So I love that stuff. I think it's great. And if you're looking for ways to change your life and do it in a healthy way, that's to me, that's the real work, right? That's the like, right. Yeah. 
I know how to manage your medications. Yes, if you're like coding in the hospital, I know how to like shock you back to not coding in the hospital and all those things. But like, I get to not do that anymore, right? I get to not right. worry about the code. The code was my worst. When I was an intern, I would be like quaking in my booth. I'd be like, oh God, what if somebody codes tonight, right? When I was on call for medicine or whatever. And I got really good at it. I don't love it though. I don't, right. I don't, it's not fun to be like, oh, you're, you're not doing well. Let's just pump you full of meds and keep you alive. Right. right. And now I, you get to choose, you get to choose yeah. who you, who you take on as a patient and how you interact with that patient and how they interact with you. Yes. And then the other thing that I learned about myself before I started medical school, cause right. I would, since I was like eight, I was like, I want to be a doctor. And everyone would be like, do you want to be a doctor like your mom or a doctor like your dad? And I'd be like, I'm going to be a doctor like me. I don't even know what the hell that means, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then when I was in college, I was 20 and my best friend's brother died in an accident. Um, and, you know, we all had our little existential crises at that time. But we're not little. They were pretty big. But, you know, I was I wanted to be a doctor and I just thought, like, I'll have fun later. I will enjoy my life later. Right now I'm working towards this, but once I'm a doctor, things will be good. And when he died, I was like, well, what if I don't live to that point where I'm a doctor? And I'm so glad that I took that many steps back at that point. I decided I didn't, I wasn't going to be a doctor. I decided there were so many other things I wanted to do in my life. And I decided on purpose that I was going to enjoy my life now. And I was going to have fun now. And, you know, I went to college in New Hampshire and Ben and Jerry's is right up there. Right. And Ben and Jerry's um, had a bumper sticker that I, I never put bumper stickers on my car, but I had the bumper sticker and it said, if it's not fun, why do it? So, you know, it's part of that whole like millennium YOLO thing. Right. right. And like, but I really took it to heart and I made sure that I loved everything that I did and I did it because I wanted to do it. Um, and, after I graduated from college, my decision at that point was I wanted to teach. I loved teaching. I was an English TA. I was a English as a second language. So teaching people how to speak English. I majored in Spanish literature. So I was a Spanish TA. I was an organic chemistry TA um, for lab, which was super fun. Um, I was a calculus tutor, like all the things that I totally love to do. I used to teach these medical, middle school kids when I was in college. I used to teach them Spanish because in their school, they didn't have Spanish until ninth grade. And so I was like, I'm going to teach. I graduated from college. I went to India. I worked for a nonprofit and I, and we, and it was basically an education based nonprofit that wanted to put preschools within one minute's walking distance of every child in the slums in Bombay, in Mumbai. And so I worked for them. We sort we did health camps. So we, we took one person, Mumbai is, is divided into wards. Um, so from each ward, we took one worker, we taught them about iron, about worms and deworming medication and vitamin A. And they they held these info sessions. They, they taught parents about them. Parents then gave consent or didn't give consent for us to give the kids iron, deworming medication and vitamin A. And the kids did really well. And the next three month cycle where our workers went back into the slums, you know, it was all people who had minimal to no education. So our workers who had really learned these three things, they were approached with like, oh, you're a doctor. What's wrong with my kid's head? Why does he have this bump? Like, look, look at this weird growth. And my kid has a fever. And they were like, 
we don't really know. So they would come back to us. And so I started teaching them as much as I knew about basic health stuff. And when I got to the point where I didn't know enough, I hooked up with a local medical school and and attending there. And she had all of her residents give lectures to our workers so that they could help people figure out right in the slums in Bombay. Um, a lot of the people there, they work in houses, they're cleaning stuff, they're drivers, whatever it is. If they don't show up to work one day, they'll get fired. So when their child has a fever, like when is it okay to skip work and get your kid checked out? And when is it, when is it like, I really have to take my child in versus like, you know what, I could go to work and leave my kid with another person. I didn't know the answers to those questions. So these people really helped and taught. And that's when I realized this is what I want to do. This is why I want to be a doctor. And it's not like I'm going to give you a pill and I'm going to make it better, but I'm going to teach you about your body. I'm going to teach you about how your body works. So important. You know what to do. Find the solution that works for your body. Because yeah. we're all individuals. We're all, we all operate differently. Yes. And so, you know, not everybody wants that. And that's when you were asking me, like, is this why your practice is as, as successful as it is? And I would say yes, because there are a lot of people who do want that, but there's also a lot of people who don't want that. And so and my job, choose. yes. And my job is to figure out like, and sometimes it's really hard to figure out in a really quick conversation, but you know, over time I might say like, Hey, this is, this doesn't seem to be working. Right. And some people will be like, no, no, no. You know, and I'm like, well, then you need to work harder. <laughs> like, You need to right. put more effort into your body because if I'm just saying like, do this and then you're not doing it. And usually my answer is not, you need to work harder. My answer is how can I help you work harder? Right. right. And, people, and so like now I have more people who I have agreed to like meet with me every two weeks so that I can have that accountability to be like, what have you been doing and, and show them how to make the connections between what they're doing and why they're having these symptoms. Like, Oh yeah, I've been having headaches, blah, blah, blah. Well, have you been drinking water? Actually work has been really busy. I haven't been drinking as much water. So being able to catch the things along the way, but it means that you have to be mindful enough to be able to sit down, have a conversation you know, sometimes track what you've been eating or what your activities are or what your symptoms are, depending on what we're, what it is we're talking about. Right. Um, yeah. And, and some people are like, that's too much work. I'm not going to do it. And that's fine. Then it's not the right match. And some people are like, this is exactly what I want. Right. Right. It gets to the bottom of the issue. And that's what it is, is that if you're not learning about it, you really are just putting a bandaid on it. You're not right. really healing or serving in the way that I feel like I have the potential to, to do that. Right. My job is not to make you be, feel better. My job is to help you figure out how to conduct your life so that you can make you feel better. Right. right. And, and I can support you in that way. This medication is not working for me. I don't feel really well. Yeah. I have a patient, you know, with some mental health issues and she came in the last few weeks saying like, I know I've been on this med and has all these side effects. I think I want to try something different. And I'm like, I don't really know if that's going to work. This works really well for you, but you want to try something different. Totally. Let's do it. And just want you to know it's going to be hard to figure out your symptoms and, and what's changing and what's not, but I need you to do that work. And she was like, and I, and I know her. And I said to her, I know if I just tell you like, sure, we'll switch it. You'll be like, wait, what's going on. But if I tell you, like, I need you to pay attention. I know you will, I know you will pay attention and I know you will figure out what symptoms are working and what symptoms are not. And I just want to let you know that that's where you need to be right now. And she was like, okay, totally fine. You know? So thank you so much for sharing. There's so, you know, 
you, you've done so much in your life and it's also fascinating. And I love the way you interact with your patients and, and treat them and help them, help them educate them and learn about their bodies and, and how to, how to listen to their bodies. So just to, in wrapping up, do you want to share with our listeners any upcoming events or any programs that you have going on that, you know, might be of interest? Um, I don't have events or programs, but we um, are rolling out a new service, we'll call it. Um, we just got a laser for the office. So we're starting to do laser hair removal and some uh, skin stuff. So like removing of um, pigmented lesions. So like like moles or spots or freckles, um, vascular lesions, which means like those little red like dots that people get, those cherry hemangiomas on their faces and sometimes um, varicose veins and stuff like that. Um, and then um, some other skin stuff, which is like uh, uh, basically it's people do like fillers and Botox and that sort of thing. And filler is actually injecting a chemical right. body, right? But but this laser actually what it does is it 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 causes um micro micro damage basically underneath the surface of your skin and your body's response to that is to create more collagen. So a lot of the fine lines and wrinkles and, and we're super excited about that. We've just we just got trained on it last week. We've been we've been having fun with it at the office. Um, and it's definitely something that is coming soon. Um, we just thought it would be it's, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, I was, I always say like, who would do stuff like that? That's so shallow or it's so whatever. And then as soon as I turned 40, I was like, well, I have this thing. Here. Like, well, we only see them. No one else sees. Right. Them. But it was like, I was like, if I, if it's important to me, right. If I want it. And if I'm interested, there's probably a lot of other people who are interested and I would much rather offer something that is not chemical based. That is right. not like a bunch of toxins going into your body, something that is more holistic and, and I always say like, I would never recommend to anybody else something that I wouldn't do for me. Right. Um, and so that's our new thing that we're doing. I'm super excited. And it's going to be fun. Nice to have options, right? Yes. Always. Thank you so much Thank for you. your time and for sharing with us. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, super fun. It was great having you. I'm just going to say to our audience, be sure to subscribe and stay connected with us to see this episode, future episodes. Um, and thanks. Be well. Have a great day. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Pathways to Profitability. Remember to ask yourself, where can I pay my success forward today?